Chapter Forty One of the Channings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Channings by Ellen Wood. Chapter Forty One The Search. Tom, where is Charles? He is not in my pocket responded tom channing who was buried in his studies as he had been for some hours thomas that is not the proper way to answer me resumed constance in a tone of seriousness for it was from her the question had proceeded it is strange he should run out in the abrupt way you describe and remain out so long as this it is half-past nine i am waiting to read the boys are up to some trick to-night with mr calcraft constance and he is one of them said tom he is sure to be in soon constance remained silent not satisfied a nameless undefined sort of dread was creeping over her engaged with annabel until eight o'clock when she returned to the general sitting-room she found charles absent much to her surprise expecting him to make his appearance every moment the time may have seemed to her long and his absence all the more unaccountable it had now gone on to half-past nine and still he was not come in and his lessons were not done it was his hour for bedtime tom had more than usual to do that night and it was nearly ten when he rose from his books constance watched him put them aside and stretch himself then she spoke tom you must go and find charles i begin to feel uneasy something must have happened to keep him out like this the feeling uneasy rather amused tom provisions of evil are not apt to torment schoolboys i expect the worst that has happened may be a battle royale with old ketch said he however the young monkey had no business to cut short his lessons in the middle and go off in this way so i'll just run after him and march him home tom took his stranger and flew towards the cathedral he fully expected the boys would be gathered somewhere round it not a hundred miles from old ketch's lodge but he could not come upon them anywhere the lodge was closed was dark and silent showing every probability that its master had retired for the night to slip away his discomfiture the cloisters were closed and the boundaries lay calm in the moonlight undisturbed by a single footstep there was no sign of charles or of any other college boy tom halted in indecision where can he have gone to i wonder i'm sure i don't know where to look for him i'll ask at york's if there's any mischief up tod's sure to know of it he crossed the boundaries and rang at lady augusta's door tod himself opened it probably he thought it might be one of his friends the conspirators certainly he had not expected to find tom channing there and he looked inclined to run away again tod york do you know anything of charles law how should i know anything of him returned tod taking courage and putting a bold face upon it is he lost he is not lost i suppose but he has disappeared somewhere were you in the game with old ketch to-night what game inquired tod innocently but at this moment gerald hearing tom's voice came out of the sitting-room gerald yorke had a little cooled down from his resentment against tom since the decision of the previous day nearly all gerald's wrath had been turned upon mr pye because that gentleman had not exalted him to the seniorship so great was it that he had no room to think of tom besides tom was a fellow-sufferer and had been passed over equally with himself what's the row asked gerald 
tom explained stating that he had heard from ketch of the trick the boys had played him and charlie's absence gerald who really was not cognizant of it in any way listened eagerly making his own comments and enjoying beyond everything the account of ketch's fast in the supper department both he and tom exploded with mirth and todd who said nothing but listened with his hands in his pockets dancing first on one leg then on the other nearly laughed himself into fits what did they take out the cloister keys for demanded gerald who's to know said tom i thought todd was sure to be in it don't i wish i had been responded that gentleman turning up the whites of his eyes to give earnestness to the wish gerald looked round at todd a faint suspicion stealing over him that the denial was less genuine than it appeared in point of fact mr todd's had been the identical trencher spoken of as having watched the effect of the message upon old ketch i say todd you were off somewhere to-night for about two hours said gerald i'll declare you were i know i was said todd readily i had an appointment with mark galloway and i went to keep it if you skinned me alive channing i couldn't tell you where miss charlie is or where he's likely to be true enough in the abstract tom channing stopped talking a short time longer and then ran home is charlie in yet was his first question no charlie was not in and the household now became seriously concerned it was past ten by leaving his lessons half done and his pen inside his exercise book of which exercise he had not left many words to complete but he had other studies to do it was evident to them that he had not gone out intending to remain away indeed if he wanted to go out in an evening he always asked leave and mentioned where he was going haven't you found him exclaimed judith coming forward as tom entered where in the world can the child be oh he's safe somewhere said tom don't worry your old head judy it's fit that somebody should worry their heads retorted judith sharply to tom he never stopped out like this before never pray heaven there's no harm come nigh him well done judy was tom's answer harm what harm is likely to have come to him helstonleigh has not been shaken by an earthquake to-night to swallow him up and i don't suppose any greedy kite has descended from the skies and carried him off in her talons you'll make a simpleton of that boy till he's twenty judith who truth to say did look very much after charlie loved him and indulged him wasted no more words on infidel tom but went straight up to hamish's room and knocked at the door hamish was in it at his writing-table as usual and judith heard a drawer opened and shut before he came to her mr hamish it's very queer about the child said judith i don't half like it what has he not come in no he's not and just to look how he has left his books and his lessons about is enough to prove that something or other must have kept him i declare my heart's all in a quake master tom has been out and can find no traces of him though it's hard to tell whether he troubled himself to look much boys are as careless one of another as so many young animals i will come down directly judith he shut the door right in front of judith's inquisitive nose which was peering in to ascertain what there might be to see judith's curiosity in reference to her young master's night employment had increased rather than abated every night night after night as hamish came home with the account-books of the office under his arm and carried them straight to his bedroom judith watched him go up with jealous eyes constance also watched him watched him in a far more uneasy frame of mind than could be judith's 
bringing home those books now in mr channing's absence was only too plain a proof to constance that his night work must be connected with them and a perfectly sick feeling would rush over her surely there could be nothing wrong with the account hamish closed the door shutting out judy she heard him putting things away heard a lock turned and the keys removed then he came forth and went down with judith the difficulty was where to look for charles it was possible that he might have gone to the houses of any one of the schoolboys and be staying there if not very likely still it was by no means impossible tom was dispatched to mr pye's who had some half-dozen of the king's scholars boarding in his house and thence to other houses in the neighbourhood all with the same result all denied knowledge of charles the college bells struck eleven the sound booming out in the silence of the night on their listening ears and with that sound hamish grew alarmed they went out different ways hamish arthur tom and judith sarah was excessively anxious to make one of the searching party but judith imperatively ordered her to stop at home and mind her own business judy ran round and about the college like any one wild nothing extra on her shoulders and the border of her mob-cap flying but the old red walls were high silent and impenetrable revealing nothing of charles channing she stopped at the low wall extending from the side of the boat-house to some of the prebendal residences and glanced over at the river the water was flowing tranquilly between its banks giving no sign that a young child was drowning or had been drowned there not many hours before no said judy to herself rejecting the doubt which had come over her as improbable he can't have got in there we should have heard of it she turned and took a survey around she did not know what to do or whence to look still cold shadowy it all lay the cathedral the old houses the elm trees with their bears at rest now where can he have got to exclaimed judith with a touch of temper one thing was certain it was of no use to wait where she was and judith went herself home again just beyond the house of lady augusta york she encountered the headmaster who was walking towards his home he said good-night to judith as he passed her but she arrested him we are in a fine way sir we can't find master charles not find master charles repeated mr pye how do you mean why it happened in this way sir said judith he was at his lessons as usual with master tom and he suddenly gets up and leaves them and goes out without saying a word to nobody that was at seven or a bit later and he has never come in again he must be staying somewhere remarked mr pye so we all thought sir till it got late he's not likely to be staying anywhere now who'd keep him till this hour terrifying all of us into fits ketch hello judy any luck the interruption came from tom channing he had discerned judy's cap from the other side of the boundaries and now came running across unconscious that her companion was the headmaster judy went on with her communication ketch the porter came to master tom an hour or two ago complaining that the college boys had been serving him a trick to-night they had pretended to invite him out somewhere to supper and stole his cloister keys while he was gone now sir i'd not like to say too much against the surly-tempered brown bear went on judy but if he has had anything to do with keeping the child out he ought to be punished tom was up now so it was the master and touched his stranger have you found your brother asked the master no sir it is very strange where he can have got to 
"'What tricks have the boys been playing catch to-night?' resumed Mr. By. "'Your servant tells me that he has been round to you to complain of them.' Tom went into a wide heat. Judy ought to have kept her mouth shut. It was not his place to inform against the school, privately to the master. "'Yes,' he hesitatingly said, for an untruth he would not tell. "'What was the complaint?' continued Mr. Pye. "'Could this disappearance of your brother's be connected with it?' "'No, sir, I don't see that it could,' replied Tom. "'You don't see? Perhaps you'll allow me to see and judge. "'What had the boys been doing, Channing?' firmly spoke the master, perceiving his hesitation. "'I insist upon knowing.' Tom was at his wit's ends. He might not defy the master on the one hand. On the other, he knew the school would send him to Coventry for ever and a day if he spoke, as he himself would have sent any other boy in it doing the same thing. He heartily wished Judy had been in Asia before she had spoken of it, and her tongue with her. "'Were you in the affair yourself, pray?' asked the master. "'No, sir, indeed I was not, and I do not know a single boy who was. I have heard nothing of it except from Ketch.' "'Then what is your objection to tell me?' "'Well, sir, you know the rules we hold amongst ourselves,' said Tom, blurting out the truth in his desperation. "'I scarcely dare tell you.' "'Yes, you dare, Channing, when I command you to do so.' was the significant answer. Tom had no resource left, and, very unwillingly, Ketch's details were drawn from him, bit by bit. The sham invitation, the disappointment touching the tripe and onions, the missing the cloister keys when he reached home, and the finding them outside the west door. "'Did he enter the cloisters and examine them?' said the master, speaking hastily. A possibility had struck him, which had not struck any of the Channings, and it was curious that it had not done so. "'I think not, sir,' replied Tom. "'Then that's where Charles is. Locked up in the cloisters,' said the master, the recollection of the former locking up no doubt helping him to the conclusion. The fact of the keys having been left hanging outside the cloister door might have been sufficient to direct your suspicions.' Tom felt the force of the words, and was wondering how it was he had not thought of it, when a cry burst from Judith. "'If he is there, he will never come out alive. Oh, sir, what will become of us?' The master was surprised. He knew it was not a desirable situation for any young boy. But never come out alive were strong terms. Judy explained them. She put into the master's ears the unhappy story of Charles having been frightened in childhood, of his propensity still to supernatural fears. "'Make haste round. We must have the cloisters opened immediately,' exclaimed the master, as all the full truth of the dread imparted by Judith became clear to him. "'Channing, you have light heels. Run on and knock up Ketch.' Tom tore off, never a lighter pair of heels than his to-night, and the master and the old servant followed. The master's sympathies, nay, his lively fears, were strongly awakened, and he could not leave the affair in this stage, late though the hour was. They arrived to find Tom pummeling at Ketch's door, but to pummel was one thing, and to arouse Mr. Ketch was another. Mr. Ketch chose to remain deaf. "'I'll try the window,' said Tom. "'He must hear. His bed is close at hand.' He knocked sharply, and it at length elicited an answer from the drowsy gentleman, composed of growls and abuse. "'Get up,' called out Tom. "'The keys of the cloisters are wanted.' "'Then they may be wanted,' responded old Ketch in a muffled tone, as if he were speaking from under the bedclothes. "'I'll see you all further, before you get the keys from me.' "'Ketch, produce the keys this instant,' interposed the master. "'You know my voice. Mr. Pies, how dare you?' 
i'll dare you all if you don't go away raved old ketch mistaking or pretending to mistake the disturbers for his enemies the college boys it's a second edition of the trick you played me this evening is it i'll go to the dean with the first glimmer of daylight ketch i am the headmaster i have come for the cloister keys there's a boy locked in the cloisters is there praise be given up for that i wouldn't unlock him for a mint of diamonds if you don't be off i'll call the police fire fire shouted judy in a shrill tone putting her mouth to the keyhole for she despaired of gaining ketch by any other means what an idiot you are old ketch do you want to be burned up alive fire shouted tom in stentorian tones fire fire and ketch whether he was really alarmed or whether he recognized the headmaster's voice and thought it imprudent to hold out any longer tumbled out of bed opened the door and appeared before them in attire more airy than elegant another minute and impetuous tom would have burst the window in beg pardon said ketch ungraciously to the master them boys play me up such tricks that i'm always thinking of em where's the fire i don't think it's anywhere said the master the cloister keys ketch and make haste which of the boys played you that trick to-night ketch gave a yell for the point was a sore one i never set eyes on one of em they're too cunning for me was my brother charles one asked tom while mr pye hastened away with the cloister keys i tell ye i never seed one can't you believe tom did believe and went after the master and judy there entered the cloisters and shouted for charles nothing answered them but the echoes to see whether he was there was impossible judy thought he might be lying somewhere insensible from fright and she ran up and down feeling into niches as one demented mr pye sent tom back to old ketch's for a light which was not supplied without difficulty he was turning away with it when hamish came up hamish had been with all speed to mr huntley's to question harry as a senior of the school whether he knew what the trick of the night had been and what boys were in it harry however who was in bed assured hamish of his complete ignorance but for mr huntley's veto he would have got up and gone out to join in the search and enjoy it amazingly they carried the candle to every nook and corner of the cloisters no result arising from it hamish and tom climbed over and searched the burial ground he was not there no signs for their keen eyes or for any others remained of the night's work the college boys were cautious a couple of matches half burnt lay on the ground in the north quadrangle but they told nothing the boys were often lighting matches as the master knew i really think you must be mistaken in supposing charles's absence has to do with the trick played upon old ketch whatever it may have been he observed it does not appear that the boys have been in the cloisters had any of them been locked in here here they would still be there was no denying it and they left the cloisters and closed them the keys were conveyed to ketch who had to get out of bed again to receive them which he did with a great amount of wrath mr pye thought it would be proved that charles must be at the house of one of the boys carelessness or accident having detained him and then he wished them good-night and went home completely at a loss were they hamish ever hopeful thought charles had perhaps returned home and they bent their steps thither no no constance arthur and curious sarah were all outside looking every way constance was too agitated to remain indoors arthur had just returned home he had been to the houses of some of the college boys those with whom charles was most intimate but could obtain no tidings of him constance burst into tears she grew excessively alarmed when judy mentioned the doubt lest he had been shut in the cloisters 
but the fear is done away with said hamish we have searched them thoroughly do not distress yourself constance there goes midnight exclaimed judy ah shivered sarah i feel just as if somebody was walking over my grave judith if they were walking over you it mightn't be amiss reprimanded judith don't talk such stuff as that girl in the young mistress's ears the words died away into silence and they stood listening to the strokes of the deep-toned cathedral bell with the last twelve another day had dawned upon the world what would it bring forth for them i shall go to the police station said hamish constance my dear you had better not remain outside go indoors it was well to say go indoors but in the agitation and suspense at that moment overwhelming constance indoors was not so easy to bear hamish strode off tom following him arthur remained with his sister waiting and watching still and so they waited and watched through the live-long night hamish was at work the police were at work tom was at work but neither sign nor trace could be found of charles channing End of chapter forty one